Welcome to the Anonymous Podcast. This episode will be a living clean study and commentary. The aim is to provide insight to and context of the material within our book, Living Clean. This is not a meeting of Narcotics Anonymous. However, there will be some similarities in how the study will be conducted. Each study will have the audio recorded and then published to the Anonymous Podcast. The overall goal is to provide a commentary of the text towards reaching those seeking a resource like this. If one person benefits from our efforts, including us, then our participation will be well worth the effort. We'll have the introductions, and then we'll jump into the text. Enjoy. Hey, welcome back, everyone, for Living Clean Study for the Anonymous Podcast. This is episode 56. We're going to start on page 199 with education. But first, we're going to give our introductions. Brian B., jump in, introduce yourself. Hello, everyone. My name is Brian B. I'm an addict. My clean date is November 18, 2019. I attend meetings in southwestern Pennsylvania, and my home group is the Sunday morning literature meeting of NA. Thanks, Brian. What's up, Lisa? Hey, I'm Lisa. I'm an addict. My clean date is February 25, 2012. Um, I attend meetings in Central Western PA. My home group is Monday Night Miracles in Meadville. Thanks, Lisa. What's up, Paul? Hi, Douglas. I'm Paul M. I'm, I'm an addict. I attend meetings in New Orleans, Louisiana. My clean date is January 6, 1995, and my home group is Open Mind Hybrid Group, Monday nights at 7.30. Thanks, Paul. What's happening, Casey? Hey, everybody. My name is Casey. I'm an addict. My clean date is 9.30 of 2013. I attend meetings in the Midwell Valley. My home group is the Wednesday night basic step meeting. Thanks, Casey. What's up, Barb? Hey, Douglas. I'm Barb R. from the Panhandle of Florida. My clean date is 10-4-95. And my home group is also the Open Mind, the hybrid meeting at Monday night. Thanks, Barb. What's up, Jennifer? Hi, everyone. My name is Jennifer, and I'm an addict. My clean date is November 27th, 1992, and I attend meetings in Sacramento, California. Thanks, Jen. And our guest... Tara H. What's happening, Tara? Hey, my name is Tara. Person, my clean date's January first, two thousand eight. I'm from Central Washington area. I want to give a shout out to Face the World Meeting in Edmonton, Alberta. All right, awesome. Thanks, Tara. And Tara recorded an episode for the SPAD, and it was fantastic. So on the was it the twenty eighth, right, Tara? The twenty eighth. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The 28th. So, so folks, tune in for the for the twenty eighth. All right, here we go. Living clean study for the anonymous podcast, episode fifty six. We're on page one ninety nine. Education and Jennifer is going to facilitate. Take it away, Jen. Thanks, Douglas. Brian, do you want to start us off with the first two paragraphs? Sure, my pleasure, Jennifer. Thanks. Education addiction can be pretty disruptive to education. Some of us stopped early in the process or never felt engaged by it at all. There are gaps in our knowledge, either as a result of our addiction or where we came from, and these can be a source of shame as well. Lack of information is not a character defect. It's just something we don't know yet. There is a difference between not knowing and not being teachable. Recovery is an education. We are learning principles and practicing a new way of life. In the process, we learn to read, write, care, share, practice, show up, and keep coming back. The abilities we develop as we work the steps are easily transferable. When we apply these skills to other kinds of learning, we tend to, we tend to do surprisingly well. 
even though the method may be very different. And even if we are starting at the beginning, there are a few limits of how far we can go. And, um, you know, when I was taking a look at this earlier, um, you know, the first sentence really stuck out to me. And how I can relate to that is I got, when I was fresh out of high school, I had, you know, these big plans to go to like a small technical college and uh, hopefully graduate and become a, a, a computer-aided draftsman, you know, do things on the computer. And, uh, you know, needless to say, I was there for about a few months and my addiction was so strong that, you know, I started missing class, you know, to go and use. And then eventually, you know, I was in jail and uh, sitting there wondering what happened. And um, now that I look back on it, you know, I was just in the grips of addiction and, um, you know, it robbed me of, the, of what I could have been. And, um, you know, today, you know, thanks to staying clean, like I never have to worry about that. You know, when I get up and go to work today, you know, I don't have to worry about copping, you know, to make it through the day. Um, I can go to work and be free and I can apply the steps to, you know, anything that I do at work. Um, you know, I can show up like I've been taught to do. Um, I could practice the principles that I've been taught on how to be honest um, and, and just be a productive member of society. And it really is surprising on what you can do, you know, when you're clean and you, you know, so suit, up, suit up and show up. And, um, you know, there really are no limits to how far we can go. And, um, you know, just in the job that I've been working for six months now, you know, it's just amazing on how far I've came. And that's all thanks to being clean. Um, I would never be able to hold a job and, uh, you know, show up and not worry about, you know, missing work and this and that and lying to my boss like I've done in the past. It's just good to be free, man. Um, recovery is, is definitely an education. Um, and, and even when it comes to sharing the meetings, you know, my first few meetings that I came to, I had no idea how to share. Um, but just listening to the guys with time and talking to my sponsor was like, you know, there's no right or wrong. Just say a prayer before the meeting and ask God to speak through you. And um, that's what's been carrying me all this way. And um, thankful for NA. Just a little bit nervous tonight for some reason. I don't know why. But, uh, you know, I know what I have to say is important not only to me, but for our listeners out there. So if there's anyone that's struggling right now, you know, there is a way out. It's just by staying clean the day at a time. So Thanks, I'll pass. Thanks, Brian. Douglas. Thanks, Jennifer. Um, look, there in, in this in the education section, there's there's like there's nine or ten paragraphs. And I really think that um, and I appreciate, you know, that that it's a short piece, you know, in this, but but pre-gaming for for tonight's episode, I was just uh, I'm really into it. You know, I, I really appreciate that it's in here. And I'll just start unpacking this. The first paragraph that we just read, the first sentence. Addiction can be pretty disruptive to education. I didn't make it out of the 10th grade using it. Did not make it out of 10th grade. And that's a really common thing. Like I, you know, and I, I guess at the time, I didn't give two fucks about it, really. I remember being, once I got out of detox, went to this longer place, this longer rehab place. Look, they, they said, look, man, you could salvage your high school. I don't know if they said career, your high school tenure, you know, whatever. Like you could, you could, you know, keep in high school since you're here if you do this packet. And uh, it was probably looking back now, I think it was like 20 pages ish, something like that. My, I started crinkling up pages and just throwing them, trying to make them in the wastebasket. 10th grade was, you know, was not a priority. 
you know, it just wasn't, man. But anyhow, you know, so I didn't make it out of 10th grade. And then at, in the first paragraph or, or the, the last sentence of the first paragraph, there's a difference between not knowing and not being teachable. I took it out of context. It's written here, but I, out of context, doesn't that just play in every part of my life? Man? Like every part of my life, there's no shame. And if I, if I say, you know, Hey, I, I, I don't understand how to navigate this. The cool thing is I'm plugged in with enough of you folk that I'm, that, that, that there's a good chance. Like I know who I can contact if I'm going through something to get some experience on, you know, uh, which is, which is really cool. And then, and then this one, um, the middle of the second paragraph, the abilities we, we develop as we work the steps are easily transferable. And then it goes on to other areas and we do well. Right away, recovery taught me how to shut the fuck up, listen, and watch people. And I, I needed that so bad in my life to just stop, man. I just couldn't stop moving. I couldn't stop talking about, about nothing. I had zero to say, but I couldn't stop talking. I just could not do it, you know? And so it's, it's wild. Paul, you know how you always talk about, like, you, you talk about it from the perspective of a job. You're like, and here's the thing, right? We were talking about Paul a little bit before the episode, but look, you know, you, you, and I'll let you come in and kick it, but you know, you show up for a job, you get promoted, shit like that. You get to keep your job, you get a paycheck and all that stuff. Bro, the same thing here, man. You know what I've, what I've done if it, when I, when I apply, shut up long enough to listen and watch other people man, I can make it through whatever class that I take. I can, I can apply for positions, get hired and kind of cruise through whatever that looks like and make friends and kind of navigate what those look like. And it, and it all starts from me kind of saying, taking a back seat and saying, okay, let me, let me shut up long enough to hear what you have to say. And, uh, and that's the way that that participation has really shown, shown well, you know, for me in my life. So I'll pass. Thanks, Douglas. Lisa. Hey, I just want to um, take a second to kind of relate to what Doug was sharing, um, because, you know, I also got clean at a pretty young age, you know, I was 21. And, um, you know, my experience was that, like, I didn't make it out of high school, really either. Um, you know, by the time I was 14, 15, I was full blown addicted, you know, um, I caught my first adolescent felony at 16. Um, so, you know, some of my education happened in placement. And, um, you know, I remember just like constantly being in trouble, constantly acting out and like looking for like any attention, regardless of whether or not it was negative attention. Right. Because like growing up, that's how I learned to get like certain needs met. Right. It was like I acted out. Um, and, you know, like I, I can look back at that. The piece of this reading that that stands out to me the most is there's a difference between not knowing and not being teachable. Um, I can look at like my teenage self and even like, I didn't get clean until I was in, um, undergraduate in college. Um, you know, and I can even look at, you know, sure. I was getting like a textbook education, but was I really teachable, um, and some of that stuff that, you know, narcotics anonymous teaches me. Um, and I think I had this attitude back then, like it says how recovery is an education, recovery for me was an absolute wake up call in that way, because, um, you know, for me, I had this attitude and I, I joke about it now, but it's changed a lot. I believed I needed to learn things the hard way, right? You can tell me your experience. You can suggest things to me, but until I see it for myself, I'm not going to buy it. Right. Um, and coming into NA, um, I've learned that that's not always the easy way because that causes me a lot of pain. Um, something, you know, really incredible that 
the people before me, like my predecessors on the path ahead of me have taught me is like my, like I can save myself some of that pain by listening to the experience that's shared in NA. And for me, like that's, I mean, I, I'll never, I'll never be that person who talks about how humble I am because I, I definitely can be whatever the opposite of humble is not humble in any given moment, depending on my spiritual condition. But for me, that's like the humbling of recovery is that I don't always know what's best, but, you know, back in the day, I definitely, I definitely thought I did, um, you know, so thank you guys for experiencing that pain before me so that I might save myself some of it. Thanks. Thanks, Lisa. Casey, can you read the next two paragraphs for us? Sure. Oh, I just lost my page. Many of us go back to school after we get clean and we can be surprised at the challenges we confront. Even a training program at work can be intimidating when we're not used to learning that way. It's not something all of us do and many of us go back for a little while and decide it's not for us. The great, I was grateful for the opportunity, but I also found out that I didn't have to do that, said a member. We may go back to school because we need new skills or just because we want to try something new. I had a really distorted ideas about what society was, said one member and what the playing field was. Before I could fully participate, I had to learn how it worked. We learn more than just the subject we are studying. We learn how to learn. Just as our bodies were damaged by our addiction, our brains have taken a beating. Whatever we study, whether it's playing the guitar, welding, knitting, philosophy, learning gives our mind a workout. We can see and feel the healing as we practice absorbing and retaining information. We learn to work under pressure and to accept feedback. We learn to persevere through a learning curve. Impatience is a stumbling block. We want to know something not, we want to know something not to learn it. Studying is an exercise in staying focused. Our practice at being teachable is a good start. Um, this is definitely my story, right? Like, just like a lot of people have said, I dropped out my freshman year of high school. Um, and um, that was at, you know, age 14. And so from that moment on, the only thing that I learned was how to get more of what I needed to survive on a day-to-day -day basis. And um, I learned very well how to manipulate, lie, cheat, steal, do all the things. And when I got clean this last go-round, um, that was the first thing that I did uh, when I got clean was enrolled in school. Now, mind you, I, I did not have a good mindset. I could barely put a sentence together. So what the hell possessed me to go to school? I have no idea, but somehow, you know, I made it, I stayed um, in school. I'm currently in school and um, I, I have learned, you know, it talks about you know, our brains taking a beating. And that's definitely been my experience through my school process between the beating that my brain took and the amount of expectations I put on myself when I went back to school, I definitely have come across some of those learning curves. You know, some of what I learned was how to give myself grace and understand that I didn't have to be perfect in what I was doing. Some days it was just about showing up, um, for classes or turning in an assignment, even if I didn't feel like it was perfect. And you know, I've carried that over into my life and into my recovery. Um, you know, those things, what I learned during those times taught me how to do things like ask for help, you know, um, how to say I can't when I can't. And um, when I've taken on too much, how to step back from that. 
So I don't know, education is a super cool thing. Uh, I'm in the middle of it right now, so I'm not so much loving it uh, at the moment, but um, I'm grateful that I have had the opportunity. I'm grateful that I've had people um, in the program who have gotten an education before me after you know so many years of using and beating up our brains and our bodies that have shown me um, how to stick with it, how to not just take the financial aid and run because I've been in that predicament before too, where I'd sign up for classes and then just bolt as soon as the financial aid came and go get more of what I needed. So uh, I feel like um, this will always be a learning curve for me. I want to stay teachable. You know, that's my goal in my life is I, I want to maintain the ability to stay teachable and be taught new things. So um, for now, I will keep persevering and doing school. If I ever say that I want to go back to school after I'm done with this program and you guys don't beat the crap out of me and say, what are you thinking? <laughs> uh, no, school is great. Education is great. Um, I think more importantly, in the first paragraph, what it talked about is, is how, um, how much I've learned as a result of, of recovery and doing the steps is, is more important to me than any education that I'll ever have. So that's it. Thanks for sharing, Casey. Tara, go ahead. Yeah, I'm Tara, I'm an addict. Um, you know, I really related uh, to what you just shared, Casey, but um, I was also thinking about, you know, I graduated from high school, but I really struggled um, in certain subjects. And, you know, if I did really well, I'd get an A. And if I struggled at all, I would fail, right? Like, cause I didn't try, I just gave up immediately. Like if I wasn't good at something, I'm just gonna give up, you know? And, uh, and I learned in recovery that that kind of followed me, you know, I got to my first four step, I struggled writing things down, and I was, I was going to throw in the towel. And I remember, you know, my sponsor said, can you draw a picture about it? Can you do this? Can you do that? And I was like, you know, no, I, I just can't get what's in my head down on paper. You know, I thought I had a learning disability. I thought something was wrong, you know, and I know that for me, I, I, I got to work in a group uh, through part of my first four step where they showed me how, you know, to write some of it out. And in that actual, you know, showing me how to do it, I was able to do it on my own from that point moving forward. And so, you know, that kind of carried on into my education. I gained some confidence and was able to, you know, go back to school and and I remember I had to learn how to study, you know, in college. <laughs> I asked, I called up another member who had gone through uh, what I was going through. And I said, I don't know how to study, man. I've never done it before. You know, I either failed or, or I knew what I was doing. And I don't know the in-between. And, and I learned how to study. And, you know, um, I'm so grateful that we learn, um, you know, meditation, like how to uh quiet the noise by just acknowledging that it's there and letting it go because you know that was a huge part um of just learning learning how to study and to stay focused like it says at the end of that second paragraph um you know and and I too am going back to school you know just signed up again for another couple years of school and and I'm excited, you know, something that I used to dread, I'm just absolutely thrilled about because, uh, you know, <laughs> today, uh, just that uh, allowing that new knowledge in, um, I've just gained so much, right? 
and it all started in Narcotics Anonymous. I've got. Thanks, Tara. I am. Um, I don't know. I think this paragraph is probably speaking my language, or these paragraphs are speaking my language right now. I, you know, I like several of us. You know, I quit going to school my junior year of high school, and I never went back. Um, I decided when I got clean at 17, you know, I didn't have enough credits uh, to graduate high school in the regular fashion. And I had to go to this continuation school where all my friends that were using um, were going. And so I took an exam. I took a proficiency exam, like a GED, and went on my merry way and, and continued with my recovery. And, and when I was 18, I decided I would <clears throat> go to community college and my mom paid for me to take three classes. And I went about half the semester and I did not have the maturity level um, to do it. And I left, you know, and, and, and I didn't finish, you know, I, I finished one of them barely, but I, I just stopped showing up and I just didn't understand the responsibility of what education looked like. And, and recovery has really given me an opportunity. You know, I've, I've been really fortunate. I was able to get a career, um, you know, and learn and learn and learn and do more and, 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 you know, get educated in that realm. But it's really interesting because, you know, my story is essentially, you know, I'm met with an enrollment counselor today, um, you know, to finalize all my, my financial aid and my classwork so that I start October one. Um, and I guess, you know, my point to that is, is that, you know, it doesn't matter how old I am, you know, I'm 47 years old. I have 29 years clean. I've not followed you know, a traditional path, you know, but I'm going back to school, you know, and none of that would even be remotely possible without Narcotics Anonymous. And, and the level of um, gratitude that I have for the ability to continue to change and morph and have my life <clears throat> look in a way that I dream it to be, you know, you know, Narcotics Anonymous has given me that freedom and, 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 you know, and on top of that, and, and I'll, I'll share this real quick. I started this new job last week, right? So I had a career. I left that. I started a new job and now I'm going to school. And I was, you know, if you want to talk about, you know, learning, um, you know, I was the go-to girl at my old job, right? A little bit of ego in there, a little bit of, you know, pride behind, you know, when people would get introduced, oh, if you need something, go see Jennifer. She'll, you know, tell you how to get there, or what to do or how to get it. And I don't know what the fuck I'm doing at this job. If people keep asking me, what do you do? I go, I don't know what I do yet. Um, and I don't know the area that I work in and I'm learning all of this new stuff. And it's really humbling because today I was feeling really inadequate. I had to reach out to someone and say, like, I don't know if I want to do this. And I was into like, well, she doesn't like me. I mean, my disease addiction was all over the place today. Um, you know, and I got to bring it back and realize most of the things I was talking about had absolutely nothing to do with me. Um, but at the end of this, I'm realizing that this opportunity to learn something new again just gives me more opportunities in the world, right? To do different stuff and different things. And and like Douglas was saying, when I graduated high school or when I took that first exam, I was like, fuck school. I don't need school. I don't need you. I don't, I don't want an education. You know, fuck the man. You know, it was all that stuff. And um, and I'm in such a different place today. Like it's so beautiful to be able to um really have a desire to do something different and then actually make it 
happen instead of just talk, 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 and never do. This is what I did in my disease, right? And even in the beginning of my recovery, I was full of shit the whole time, you know, and uh, and I get to participate in that process today. So, um, Paul, do you want to read the next two paragraphs for us? Sure. All right. Uh, some of us go back to school with a specific plan in mind, but we can surprise ourselves. The joy of learning can be its own reward. The joy of learning can be its own reward. We may not know what we are good at, and chances are we're smarter than we think. I believed I was stupid because I took so many years of relapsing to get clean, a member shared. Getting a degree helped me to believe in my own intelligence. Being open-minded about my, our talents can allow us to follow a path we had not imagined. Many of us share the feeling that we must catch up or make up for the time lost to our addiction. We struggle with the feeling that we are somehow just not enough. Making time for our commitments at school and in NA can be a lesson in balance. We may imagine that all of our classmates are using and that they are a unit we don't fit into. We can be insecure and judgmental at the same time. The process was surprisingly emotional, shared a member. I wore my recovery like armor. I felt lonely and unnoticed, but I didn't have the self-acceptance to let anyone in. That's the, that's the line that hits me. We didn't have the self-acceptance to let anyone in. So my story's a little bit different. I, my parents thought education was very important. I was sent to private school, um, which was not uncommon here in New Orleans. And um, I... Um, I graduated from high school, received a scholarship to attend Loyola in drama. I went to uh, for drama for two years at Loyola on scholarship. And then I thought, I'm never going to make it in New Orleans. I have to go to New York. So I um, auditioned for the American Academy of Dramatic Arts in New York City and went to New York to study. And um, addiction had kind of shown up. I was Food was a problem. I was, you know, I got a size 42 waist. Eating was a problem. Um, I would, could get home sometimes and not know how I got home. So drinking had kind of shown up, but nothing else had kind of shown up. And I was in New York studying for a year in New York. And they said, you know, I'd always been the most talented person in any program that I'd been in. And I attended this academy in New York and talent didn't mean anything. They wanted work. and. I did not have the self-acceptance to let anyone in, the sentence says. And there were people in that school doing incredible work. They were, you know, sharing rape stories. They were standing on stage naked, literally and emotionally. They were exposing themselves to the world for their craft. And I didn't have the vocabulary. I didn't have the ability to be honest because that was what acting was or is, is the ability to be honest and truthful about the emotional depth that you are interpreting on stage. Sounds familiar? And I did not have the words or the ability to do that. And so I came home 
um, at the end of the semester and I received a letter from the from the school and they said, thank you so much for your first year. You are not invited back. And a month later, someone said, would you like to shoot some dope? And I said, yes. And so dreams deferred become, you know, the, the jumping off point. And, and so addiction started and it was, you know, it wasn't bad at the beginning. And so I tried to, I went to LSU uh, to kind of finish up some education. And I met a guy who was in charge of testing all the drugs in the state of Louisiana for the cases in state court. And so he'd bring his uh, work home from work and we would get high for free. And it was the good shit. He'd proved it. He'd written a letter to the court about it. And so that didn't work. And then I came back to New Orleans and went to UNO and studied history at UNO. And I couldn't stay clean and I couldn't, I couldn't finish. But what I got from my parents was a thirst for knowledge. And if you are listening to this podcast, you have the requisite amount of a thirst for knowledge to do whatever you want in your life. You have enough of an inquisitive mind to do whatever it is you think you can't do. You tuned in because you want to learn something no matter whether you've been diagnosed with dyslexia or ADD or whatever the thing is, you have the requisite thirst for knowledge to do something different. And the good news is I've waited long enough that in the state of Louisiana at 65, I'm 61 now, at 65, you can go back to university for free. So I want to look forward to life, not backward. Thanks. Thanks, Paul. Barb. Hey, Jen, thanks. Um, we got that here too, Paul, where, where, uh, where you're senior and you can take, my girlfriends have taken photography, all kinds of stuff. You can take finances, meditation, you know, all kinds of, so yeah, you can always do it, you know? And, um, a few things have been um, recovery as an education. I can, you know, when we're sitting in meetings sometimes and um, these different programs, people come in and they'll say, they'll call the meetings classes. You know, this is classes, you know, this is my classes, you know, but it's true. You know, recovery is an education. It's a, it's a, a education on life, you know? And I remember in early recovery, how um, Somebody had said that I was like a sponge. I just absorbed recovery. And my mom said, you know, that's your problem. <laughs> that's how you were out there too. You absorbed, you know, every all addiction, you know. But I, I was one of those two. I dropped out in ninth grade. I was pregnant. I got pregnant and had a kid at 16. I had a kid at 16. I had a kid at 40. So I, I'm always, I'm extreme, extreme. But um, I dropped out and was pregnant. And um, when I went to treatment in 93, my mom um, made me, my mom, even though I'm 37, made me when I got out of treatment, take the GED. And thank God she did, you know. So I took it when I got out of treatment, I passed. And then in early recovery, I, I got it. I got a Pell Grant, got into college. And I'm not in the field. I got a, a bachelor's in legal studies and I'm not in that field now. 
But but what college did for me, my first therapist told me that um, college is about commitment and discipline, you know, and that anybody can do it. It's you got to be, and I, I would walk around college saying commitment and discipline, commitment and discipline, you know, so it taught me that. It taught me because I, I was terrified. When it said this, I had to learn how it worked. I had really distorted ideas about how, about what society was, said one member, and what the playing field was. I never looked at it that way, but maybe that was kind of what I was doing too, coming from the streets. Because I remember, uh, you know, thinking, you know, I came from the streets, airline highway in New Orleans, and now I'm walking the campus of this university, you know, and what that did for me, you know, as a woman, you know, and to walk through that fear. And I remember when I took algebra, I still don't know algebra, but I got through it somehow. And I had to ask this kid, this young kid, fresh out of high school to tutor me in algebra. So, you know, recovery taught me the humility to do that, to say, please help me, you know, because I walked around saying, I don't know what I'm doing, please help me, you know, and people did, you know, but to be able to do that big, tough street barb to come in and be able to do that, that's all, all a byproduct of, of recovery. And it says the joy of learning can be its own reward. It was, you know. And I took things like, uh, I took comparative religion, I took ethics, my ethics teacher was an atheist, you know, exposed me to that, and he used good orderly direction, the program again, you know, and I took comparative religion and philosophies of the East, and it opened up the world to me, to where the higher power that I came in with changed in recovery. A few years into recovery, it completely flipped and changed, because I went to school and it opened up the world to me a way of looking at things you know so and what it did as a woman the way it empowered me as a woman you know to do that so even though i'm i'm not in my field i clean houses you know is what i'm doing now you know i'm not i'm not in my field but what it did for me was um was amazing um being in school and um i think that's it for me thanks thanks for sharing barb lisa Hey, I, um, I really want to relate to what Barb was just sharing, um, you know, that like sense of empowerment, um, you know, and sometimes like I, I kind of judge myself, um, you know, I don't share a lot of like my, I guess, more worldly achievements because sometimes I feel like they're like outside issues, right? Like I try to practice anonymity and not talk about some of that stuff. And like, as you guys are sharing, I'm just so inspired by everybody who, you know, has gone on to continue, you know, their education, despite all of the shit that addiction puts us through. Um, you know, and I've done the same thing. Um, and I think NA, you know, kind of gives us, I guess that, that self-acceptance and that self-love to stand up proudly and be able to say like, I value education now. Like, it's almost like a spiritual principle for me um, because I remember a time when like, I didn't give a shit about getting to class or doing the coursework or doing the homework. I didn't care if I failed an exam. Um, you know, and like one of the gifts of my recovery is like, I just finished a master's degree in December. Um, and I remember when I first started going back, you know, I, I finished undergrad with about a year clean by the skin of my teeth because of some people at my university who helped me get clean. And the crazy part was like one of the professors that was a part of like the very beginning of my recovery, this go around has a stepdaughter um, who's also an addict, you know, and I was able to carry the message to her down the road and say like, hey, your dad was a part of like me getting clean. Um, you know, and I put five years of work experience in between my degrees. And I remember being so fearful of like, 
oh, can I even get into a master's program? Can I handle the coursework? Can I do any of this? And then COVID hit right in the middle of my program and stretched it out, you know, and um, it, it was really this crazy experience. But I remember going into that classroom feeling like everybody else is, you know, a good bit younger, you know, I wasn't a tradition or a non-traditional student, but I was more experienced and, you know, I was nervous because, you know, they would talk about like, oh, let's all go out to dinner. Let's go grab drinks or whatever. And, you know, I was, I felt like I was in need of like looking for a graceful way to decline without telling them like, Hey, no, I'm a hardcore street level heroin addict, like no can do. Um, and it wasn't all or nothing like that for me. And I ended up being able to like, just share with them that I was in recovery. My cohort was all women. And, um, it was met really well. And now some of those women, like I carry those relationships even past graduation and like they're normies, you know, and it's really cool because I work in a field, um, where like my professional, you know, my education, my personal experience is all really useful and valuable. And like those women come to me, um, to ask questions about that stuff. Um, you know, and it's, we're all in social service and, uh, you know, like, I'm that person that they can talk to. Well, Hey, how do I talk to somebody about addiction? You know, what do I say? What words do I use? Can I say the word addict if I'm not an addict? Like, how does this work? Um, and it's been really cool kind of being that go between, between like the recovery community and the rest of the world. Um, and it allows me to just kind of have that really streamlined sense of self across the board. And like, what's really cool is like, after my master's degree, like the state gave me a license, you know, like I'm licensed to practice in my state and that's crazy. Um, you know, and like one of the other blessings is that because of Narcotics Anonymous, you know, like it talks about applying these principles at work and, you know, like my friend, Will, who's on the guiding principles, I feel like I shout him out on the regular, but he talks about like applying traditions to our workplace and that's so true. And, you know, NA has really allowed me to become a standout player in my field um, where I work. And, um, you know, I recently, because of that, received a grant um, from my state department for giving almost every dime of my student loans. You know, so it's like all of these overwhelming barriers that I thought, you know, ah, I'll never be able to afford it, crushing debt my whole life, like the rest of us, I'm sure. Um, you know, like higher power really showed up for me in that way. Um, and, you know, I just, I have a sponsee who's now going through school and I can walk with her in that process. And it's just the coolest thing ever. Um, and you guys are all really intelligent and wonderful and inspiring. And I'm just like on fire to be surrounded by you guys. Thank you. Thanks, Lisa. Casey. You know, I was going back and forth. You, you guys that are listening cannot see me, but I kept like ra raising and lowering my hand because we're talking about education and it's a great thing. But I, you know, we read this paragraph and it reminded me of um, my own experience and people who I've seen. So it says, I believed that that I was stupid. It took me so long of years of relapsing to get clean. Getting a degree helped me to believe in my own intelligence. And um you know, education is great and I'm really glad that I have it and that I'm walking through it and that recovery has given me that ability. But, um, what happened for me and what I see happen often is that, um, when I started going back to school, it became so important to me that my recovery got pushed back. 
And um, I see people now in my area that start doing other things. We get busy and life happens and we start getting all of the accomplishments. But my experience is what was that those accomplishments set my addiction off to a T, right? Like I started, I was never satisfied with the accomplishment that I got. So I had to get another one. I was never satisfied with that accomplishment. So I went for another one and those things got put before my recovery. And I watch people do it now where, you know, they go back to school, they get an education, they get into the addiction field. Um, and then that becomes their program. Right. And, um, then before you know it, they go back out. And so I, I don't know, I, I guess I just feel like it's important enough to share that, um, I don't know, not to let your education replace your recovery because you're getting accomplishments or because you're going to school and getting an education or because you, you know, get a degree in the A and B field. Um, you know, my recovery has got to be first priority at all times, no matter what else I have going on. And if it becomes to where I'm struggling or I'm off balance, I can't put my recovery second to my education. I can't put my recovery second to the accomplishments that I'm getting. So I don't know. I just thought that was worth mentioning. Thanks for sharing, Casey. Terry, you want to read the next two paragraphs for us? Close yeah, this out. sure. Thanks. Uh, if we tend to, if we tend toward perfectionism at all, chances are we'll get to confront it when we go to school. A member shared, "I felt like a failure if I got less than a perfect score on a test. I couldn't sleep until I figured out where I had gone wrong. I wasn't competing against the other students. I was competing against my own fear." Right behind perfectionism is a wall of shame. Any misstep feels like it opens a window on that secret. Suggestions feel like criticism and criticism feels like condemnation. Often we act as if our lives will really begin at some future time when we get a certain amount of clean time, when we finish school, when we get that job or when our lives have magically become manageable. In the Just For Today program, we learn that what matters is not what will happen at a future date. Our lives are what we are doing right now. The way we live on the way, the way we live on the way to our goals is the way we live. Tall trees require deep roots. We need to ensure that we are taking the time to build and maintain our foundation as we move forward. Gosh, I super relate to the perfectionism. <laughs> I remember, uh, yeah, going and, you know, getting my first degree uh, in recovery, I was like, holy cow, like, I got an A minus my first A minus, right. And it was, like, <laughs> it was like the world had ended, and I should probably just drop out of school. And, and I'm not, I'm not at all joking, like, I seriously considered dropping out. I was still you know, getting A's, but I thought, holy cow, man, I put everything into this and, and everything should be perfect, right? Like everything should be perfect. And, and if I can't, if I can't, you know, be at the top when I put in full efforts, then, you know, in, in my, you know, second quarter of school, then, you know, how am I going to make it to the end? I'm just not, you know, and it's not even worth it. And, you know, that was just like, that was, the story in my head, you know, and talking about like, the, you know, the foundation of our recovery, tall trees require deep roots. So like if I, you know, kind of piggybacking off what Casey said, like if, if I hadn't made recovery, like 
absolutely the foundation of my life while I was in school. I wouldn't have people in my life to sit and tell me, you know, like, hey, Tara, you're doing great. Like, just, you know, relax, keep going, you know, um, you've got what it takes. Like, you know, because I don't naturally have the self-confidence, self-acceptance, all of those, you know, positive self words <laughs> to get myself to the other end, you know, like I need you guys, I need Narcotics Anonymous and, um, you know, like I don't get to, to live this awesome life. I don't get to keep adding letters after my name. If I don't, if I don't, you know, reach out for help, I absolutely have to continue to do that. And, uh, yeah. And equally <laughs> as, as hard is the criticism, right? Like that first paper that I got back, you know, like how I, you got to write an APA or MLA style or whatever. And somebody tells me I did it wrong. It's like, man, no, I was on Purdue out. I was looking everything up. I, I did it to the T, like, you don't know, you know? <laughs> and it doesn't matter, right? Like I wasn't the authority there that was making, that was setting the grade and, and whatnot. And it, and it doesn't matter if I was right or wrong or, or whatever, right? Like um, I got to learn how to write an email professionally. I got to learn how to say what I thought, you know, in a way that uh, wasn't offensive, you know, like I got to respond. I got to, to plead my case. And most of the time I ended up, you know, being successful in it, but I had to do it, you know, in a way that I hadn't done before, right? Like, like I said, before I would just give up, right? Um, but uh, today I get to have a voice, right? And, and sometimes it works out for me, sometimes it doesn't. But in the end, I know that I tried, you know? So yeah, I, I too, uh, just like Casey, I mean, I, I mean, she didn't exactly say this, but like, I cringe sometimes when somebody in my support group says that they're going into the addiction field because I get scared, right? Like education and our employment cannot replace our recovery. And uh, hanging out with addicts all day doesn't mean that you've got recovery, right? So uh, <laughs> some of us are still sick. Anyway, I'm uh, super grateful for this opportunity tonight. That's all I've got, thanks. Thanks so much, Douglas. Thanks, Jennifer. I really appreciate the, um, just really just to putting it out there with Casey and Tara just now. And, and uh, before I make the comments on, on this piece, I just want to address that too. It's an old AA term, um, but it made its way into, you know, NA circles and actually had this one old timer, you know, he died clean, he died of cancer, but he was real cool, real confrontational though, too. I, I, I like this style, but he would call them double hatters. He would just say, look, man, it's a, you know, you're a fucking, you're a double hatter. If you're saying, Hey, look, if your profession is, is overlapping and replacing your recovery, you're a double hatter. And, and I, I, I feel the same. It's like, there's a distinction that needs to be made, you know, and, and, uh, um, like I'm not going to any meetings that I'm not getting paid for is, is a common, uh, thing that I see, man. And it's, you know, it's fucked up, but anyhow, um, Look, man, I, so so I'm going to keep this. I'm going to look and make sure that I ain't going over too because I feel so passionate about this. I really, really do. And I've been saying, and I've been more vocal recently, but in a, and I say this out of, 
nothing but love, not criticism at all, but just nothing, nothing but love. Like we need a resource for young people getting clean. We just do period point blank because it, education is a very common thing that a lot of folks getting clean, like as a teenager brush up against. It just is. And, and, and my story differs just a tad from, from you folk who were sharing. I ended up going back to high school and I finished high school clean. In the context of the top paragraph on page 201 could not be more off. It just couldn't. And I say that with all the love too. It just couldn't. What I needed to do was say, fuck balance. Fuck balance. And I really, I have that perspective now. I don't think you should have balance until get five, 10 years clean. And then, then talk about, okay, let me, let, let me, occur. how many people I see leave in a, in the, under the fucking name of balance, which really means I'm not committed to doing what I need to do a day at a time. But this thing right here, man, it talks about I felt lonely and unnoticed. That's I needed to do that. I needed to become as small as I possibly could while I was in high school clean. Class ended at 2.12. My day started at 2.13. And we just don't have a resource like that, man. We just don't. We, we have to buy young addicts for young addicts. And it's dated. It just is. You know, and, and uh, anyways, man, I've, you know, in in. And Lisa, I'm glad you brought up the homie Will, man. Will said something, too, to tag on to that the other day. He said, look, we need a resource on how to sponsor teenagers who, who, who are, or my, you know, whatever it is, you know, who, who are getting clean. We just do. And so, so my last 15 seconds, I'm going to say, look, man, let's put it out there. Like, if people are listening to this and feel like, hey, look, man, I got clean as a teenager and I could be of help. I don't know. Maybe it's, that's how this, this thing comes together in a spirit of love and say, look, you know, maybe we could put together a resource um, because it's needed. Anyways, I'll pass. Thanks, Douglas. Lisa? Hey, I want to real quick just kind of echo and weigh in on, you know, the, the getting into the recovery field. I'm going to put it out there that that is my chosen field. And, um, you know, again, it's one of those things I try not to discuss in circles of NA because my personal recovery and my professional functions are two completely separate things. And I also cringe when, especially like I sit down with a client and they're like, I want to be like you and I want to go to school and I want to be a drug counselor. And sometimes I flat out look at them and tell them, no, you don't. Um, because it, it does require so much separation and so many boundaries and so much stuff, right? Um, especially like learning that balance. Um, so I'll be honest, like, thank God I had an education and I was, you know, educated and experienced when I came in, but I fucked up a lot of stuff in my career um, when I first got into the field because those lines were so difficult to maintain. Um, you know, I, I learned in NA and professionally through that experience, um, you know, I messed up a lot of stuff. I got suspended, um, you know, and NA carried me through all of that stuff. And, you know, the way that that works for me is by just, it requires so much of that discipline that we've been talking about tonight. Um, so much transparency and communication, you know, um, I don't always share my recovery status at work. Um, you know, I kind of pick and choose, like my boss is very aware because I was active in this recovery community before I got my current position. And, um, you know, even in my initial interview, I told them like, look, man, I'm a member of a fellowship and that's going to come first. Um, you know, there, there are times where, you know, I'm, it might seem a little bit direct, but, you know, I tell them like, I will help more people in the fellowship than I ever will here. Um, and I, I 
would encourage people to remember that, you know, I think sometimes there's a little bit of, you know, ego at play or, you know, I think it's very easy for us to become the fixer, right? It's easy for me to fix everybody but me. And, you know, that, that can translate into really damaging other people too, in my line of work. If I don't continuously do the work on my own foundation and recovery, um, you know, if I'm not going to me and like the messed up part is like, I live and work and recover in a very, very small town, um, you know, and it's kind of like walk the walk and be seen doing it on some levels, you know, um, and, and that can be really difficult to maintain. Um, I've been in it long enough that, you know, it's not as much pressure as it used to be, but that's been an extremely painful process. And I think, you know, it's, it's romantic to be in recovery and be the recovering counselor, but at the same time, you know, um, man, those priorities can get real fucked up real fast. Um, you know, and, and those relationships, there's a lot of different power dynamics and a lot of vulnerability. And, you know, I have to make sure that I'm not so fucked up that I fuck up other people. And, you know, I think that also kind of relates to sponsorship in a way, like I'm still responsible for my own recovery in the ways that it like touches the women that I sponsor. So, you know, just to, I guess, kind of reiterate, like being in the field is super cool, but like, you know, uh, last year, or the year before, you know, I watched a treatment supervisor die, you know, from another facility who was not in the fellowship, you know, and I'm not saying that that was the result of anything specific, but, you know, like when you identify as a recovering person, but you're not working a program of recovery, you know, I've learned that that speaks volumes to how I also choose to represent the recovery community, whether I do it anonymously or not. Um, so, you know, thank God for NA and thank God for my ability. Again, like I can walk away from that at any point and still be able to help more people in NA than I ever would, you know, with any piece of paper or any title. Um, so I'll pass with that. Thanks, Lisa. I just wanted to touch on this one piece about <clears throat> perfectionism. You know, it really took me back to growing up. And <clears throat> like, if you could be the perfect student and the perfect athlete and like everything was going to be okay, right? And I did. I spent my entire childhood until I started using, um, not competing against anybody, but competing against myself. If I could be better, if I could be faster, if I could be smarter, if I could get straight A's, you know, I had been convinced that that's what would make me the best version of me possible, right? And, um, you know, the second I got loaded, all that went out the window and I don't fucking care anymore, right? I was tired of carrying that weight and I was tired of carrying that. And, and, I'll, and I'll say this, you know, I, I fast forward, you know, I get clean and I, and I come to Narcotics Anonymous <clears throat> and I didn't pick education first. And Douglas is right. I had no roadmap. And there were not, there were not 16 and 17-year-old addicts in the in the fellowship when I got clean. You know, um, you know, and I'm gonna say this, you know, I had to go to young people AA meetings if I wanted to hang out with young people. And that's what I had to do. And the fellowship has evolved and it has changed. And he's right. We I didn't the first five years of my recovery were probably the hardest because I had no idea what the fuck I was doing. And it was hard to take advice from 45-year-old people who didn't live, you know, I didn't know how to have a checking account. I didn't know how to have insurance on my car. My last car had a toggle switch on it and it was stolen with somebody else's tags on it. You know, that's how I knew how to live. And so I didn't know what to do when I got here. And I wasn't really good at taking advice from people that were twice, three times my age. 
I needed a resource that could show me and guide me in a way, you know, fast forward to today where I sit, you know, um, I spent a lot of years in recovery, being in a relationship where I wasn't supported in the education realm because it would take away time from other things, you know, it would take a time from them. And for a long time, you know, I was really not in a place where I had any kind of self-esteem where I felt like I was good enough or smart enough or any of that. And today, you know, I surround my people, you know, my life with people, um, you know, they're my roots, you know, they're my, you know, they're my trees that ground me. And I, and I have this tribe today that is amazing, you know, and not one person has said, you're too old. You're not smart enough. Everybody's like, you're going to kill it. I'm like, stop giving me education, you know, expectations. You're going to kill it. You're going to be great. The profession you chose was great. All of this stuff. And, and for me, <clears throat> I have to learn how to not compete with myself and not try to be the best all the time. I want to be good at it. I want to enjoy it. I want to get to a place in a career where I'm doing what I love, you know, um, and that's my goal today. So, um, you know, thank God that I'm here today and I'm doing what I'm doing it. Um, and with that, I will uh, let Barb share. She just raised her hand. I realized we just got a couple minutes. My first sponsor used to always tell me knowledge will not keep me clean. And her ex did went into the field, um, probably helped a lot of people and died, picked up and died from this disease with crack cocaine. You know, so I've seen that happen. And they always say uh, that the six months want to be a drug counselor. You know, we go through that phase too. I did too. And, and this might fit, might not fit, but I'm, I'm going to share, all I can share is my experience, strength and hope. I think we can always use more in a literature. Like now when the spad runs out, it's like, what's next? We need more literature. But when you guys talk about young people, what I think is we cannot be terminally unique. You know, when I came here from New Orleans, I came here, went in a meeting with a bunch of old military white guys. I was from the streets, couldn't relate. I had to learn to look for the similarities. I had to learn to get in the lifeboat and be with the people. You know, we got to, um, you know, I think, yes, we want to reach out to all kinds of people, but, but um, you know, we got to watch that terminal, giving them that terminal uniqueness, because I would have died. If I wouldn't have looked for the similarities and found the likeness in that, I would have went back out. They didn't do it like New Orleans, all this stuff, you know, I would have went back out. And that was part of my journey to work through that, you know, and to find the like, where we met, where we were alike, you know. And um, how, what I do with young people, I got a couple of young girls now. I love them. I love them. I become like their mother, whatever I need to be. I get them through the steps, you know, and I think that's the universal thing. We all want to be loved. You know, we all just want to be hugged and loved and, and, you know, and then get them through the steps. So I'm grateful to be here and grateful to be clean. Thanks. Thanks so much, Barb. Well, we've reached uh, the end of this episode. Um, Please share this resource. And like Douglas said, if, if you have an interest in, you know, we keep talking to every week after week about young people in recovery and you want to share with us, please um, go to the anonymous Facebook page or um, text the number that we have uh, for the podcast. And uh, that's it. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you for walking with us on this journey. Please reflect on what was discussed and apply it to your life. Share this resource with anyone you feel led to do so.